Hi, I'm James Dickey, Senior Trial Counsel for the Upper Midwest Law Center, the Minnesota nonprofit public interest law firm that fights for liberty and the rule of law. Welcome back to Minnesota Law Weekly, where Doug Seaton and I update you on important developments on legal issues in Minnesota and how we at UMLC are your voice fighting for you in the courts. Today we are talking about serious legal problems with bills currently advancing through the Minnesota legislature and through rulemaking. We will hit on one bill and one rule today. First, the bill to legalize felon voting and penalize election-related political speech. And second, the current status of the Minnesota Teacher Licensing Rule created by the Professional Educator Licensing and Standards Board, or PELSB. First, the Minnesota House has been considering and is fast advancing several bills, including House Files 3 and 28, which would allow those convicted of a felony who have not yet fully served all parts of their sentence and been restored to full civil rights to vote. The bill, if it were to become law, would allow those who have been convicted of a felony and served their prison sentence to vote, even if they are still on probation or haven't fully paid restitution to their victims and so on. Relevant here, House File 28 says, and I quote, an individual convicted of a felony has the civil right to vote restored when the individual is no longer incarcerated for the offense or upon sentencing if no incarceration is imposed. The problem with this is that it appears to conflict with the Minnesota Constitution, Article 7, Section 1, which says in relevant part, the following person shall not be entitled or permitted to vote at any election in this state. A person who has been convicted of treason or felony, unless restored to civil rights. While there is a lot of history and meaning to unpack here, the simplest way to see the conflict is to consider that the Constitution requires restoration to all civil rights to be eligible to vote, not just the individual civil right to vote itself. Criminal sentences for felony convictions commonly include the denial of the right to travel freely, restrictions from associating with other offenders, requirements to live under government supervision, and the ability to hold public office. The Constitution's plural, civil rights, means that there are more than one. The legislature can't ignore that there are more than civil rights than just the right to vote and declare the Constitution satisfied. We believe it is likely that the courts would strike down this law if it's enacted, and it is sure to be challenged. There's another serious problem with House File 3. It contains a provision that penalizes political speech during campaigns, which enjoys some of the greatest protections available under the First Amendment to the United States Constitution. It proposes a new law, which would be Minnesota Statutes 211B.075, Subdivision 2, which would allow the Attorney General, an elected partisan official, to sue individuals whom he believes make any sort of statement within 60 days of an election which, quote, intend to impede or prevent another person from exercising the right to vote, and two, which they know to be materially false. It explicitly includes statements about, quote, the qualifications for or restrictions on voter eligibility at an election. So this provision would allow the attorney general to hit alleged violators with attorney fee awards, which could be tens of thousands of dollars. Well, you might say, well, it only deals with false statements, so what's the big deal? My response is a question. Who gets to decide what's true or false in these scenarios? I just talked with you about the potential law allowing felon voting being, I believe, unconstitutional. 
If I were to present my argument in court on that issue within 60 days of an election, could the attorney general sue me for saying that to the judge because he thinks, in his personal opinion, that what I'm saying is designed to stop people with felony convictions from registering to vote and is materially false? It's neither, of course, and I think that would be a frivolous lawsuit, but if it were filed against me, the damage would already be done. I'd have to lawyer up, and that would likely cost me tens of thousands of dollars. And imagine those who aren't lawyers themselves who definitely have to lawyer up. Who wants that kind of risk? The answer is nobody. And the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals, the federal court of appeals that sits in Minnesota, has already definitively rejected another Minnesota anti-speech law very much like this one. In 281 Care Committee versus Arneson, a case I worked on back in 2014, the court held that a statute that allowed a lawsuit against people who were accused of making false statements about ballot questions is unconstitutional under the First Amendment. The court noted that, quote, for all practical purposes, the real potential damage is done at the time a complaint is filed. Because even if the accused wins the case, the press has already had a field day, and all the person who is defending themselves wins is higher legal bills. So we believe that if this bill, if it becomes law, will be struck down by the courts as unconstitutional for similar reasons. Last, moving on from the voting issues, I will provide an update on the teacher licensing scheme coming from our state Professional Educator Licensing and Standards Board. You may recall that the board has proposed new standards of competency that all teachers seeking to get their initial license, or what's known as a Tier 3 license, must demonstrate as part of the licensing process. The rules require that those seeking licenses must, quote, foster an environment that ensures student identities, such as gender identity, are historically and socially contextualized, affirmed, and incorporated into a learning environment where students are empowered to learn and contribute as their whole selves. They also require teachers to, quote, understand how ethnocentrism, Eurocentrism, deficit-based teaching, and white supremacy undermine pedagogical equity. To understand that something exists requires you to acknowledge it as a fact. And so in other words, new teachers must agree to affirm gender identity, even if their religious beliefs tell them otherwise, and they must agree with the concept that white supremacy is the culprit for the performance gap between students of different races. We at the Upper Midwest Law Center submitted comments to point out these flaws back in August of 22. We and the other public interest groups like Center of the American Experiment and FAIR pointed out the clear problems with the standards. The judge did agree that there were issues with the legality of one of the standards we objected to, and we were glad to see the judge order them to be changed. However, the judge otherwise allowed all of these problematic standards to be adopted. As a result, faithful Christians, Jews, and Muslims who object to non-traditional gender theory on religious grounds may not be able to get their teaching license. Others without a religious objection, but who disagree that white supremacy causes all racial disparities in education, will be compelled to speak against their personal beliefs. As a result, you can be fairly certain that, again, a lawsuit will be filed on behalf of those most affected by these standards to protect the religious liberty and conscience-based rights of all Minnesotans against this creeping soft tyranny. That's it for this week on Minnesota Law Weekly. You can learn more about the Upper Midwest Law Center by visiting umlc.org. 
And you can also make a confidential tax-deductible donation on our website or by sending us a check to 8421 Wayzata Boulevard, Suite 300 in Golden Valley. And we would urge you to do that. We are a fully donor-supported organization. We charge our clients nothing. And with bills and rules like these that we've just talked about, sure to harm your individual liberties and the liberties of those closest to you, we are standing up for you in court and want to fight for you on every front. So help us do more for you. Thank you, and we'll see you next week.